Yes, you are checking out the Articure Film Podcast with Ben and Jacob. And today is a very, very exciting podcast. Following on from last week, we are going to be going through what we believe are the top TV shows of 2021. We have narrowed it down very intensely. Ben, you've actually, it's not like last time where you've like forgotten a few gems, but you have fully done this and, and had it's had your full focus. No, I maintain I've forgotten a few gems. Um Doing these best of lists is much harder than you think it is. Right. No. I'm, I always, no, I'm... I'm always angry with my list. Like, even looking at it now, I can't look at it too much because I'm doubting my. I mean, you are. I'm just gonna be honest. You're very happy with the top spot. Like that was a no-brainer, right? Yeah, the top spot. I think was always gonna be the top spot. Um, but actually, that said, oh, there's some, there's some stuff to dive into, which Ben is excited about, but also nervous about, slash, I feel like you could change your uh, mind like partway through. So we're not going to go into them all too much because you're going to just start rejigging them. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to keep a close eye on the notes that halfway through, Ben doesn't uh, actually... I promise them. I won't rejig it during the show. I promise No, because you've just rejigged it before we started. The yeah, I just swapped two. Um, <laughs> I'd look at my laptop and was like, why is that so high and that so low? Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> let's get straight into it. Number 20... Bad batch. No. No. Look at the notes. You put that in there and I put no. You're not knocking. <laughs> Number 20 is Pose. I put two on there for you, Jacob. Yeah, I know, but you agree with the two I put on there, right? Yeah. Well, I put them on there, so. And I just wrote right. your. Oh, but. Oh, God. I've actually got to, like, properly speak. Okay. Yeah, because I've not watched them, but everyone else says they're good, so I stuck them in places that felt appropriate. <laughs> and I've watched them. Mm. Anyway, mm. number 20 is the third and final season of Pose, the only good Ryan Murphy show he's done in a couple of years. Um, It was a really beautiful ending for the show. It was quite nice to see all the characters... Um find their bliss and have a happy ending which considering the subject matter of the show and it being set in the 1980s in the ballroom culture at the height of AIDS wasn't to be expected it's such a groundbreaking show it will go down as one of the more groundbreaking shows for diversity and inclusion in history um its third season kind of didn't get the buzz it should have but it's still a very good show, and I still loved watching it, and 20 of it fucking made the list. There's some gold yeah, that didn't. Yeah, I know, and, like, when you think about it, like, 20, in, in theory, like, is quite a lot, but literally, when you see the list, hmm? it's really not a lot at all. Like, there's some obviously some notable absences, like Bad Batch. So, uh... No. Bigger... <laughs> Even the people who liked Bad Batch, I think, would struggle to argue it deserves to be on this list. Be our pose in at number 20. Uh, we're at number 19 now. We've got Blair and Brown, The New Labour Revolution. Any film slash TV show that has politics in, Ben, you just know it's going to make an appearance in the list. This is your dream. Well, this is the only documentary on the list. It was a five-part 
yep, five-part series that is on BBC iPlayer um, that tracks the um, rise and fall of the new Labour government that was in power in the UK between 1997 and 2010. Um, it has interviews from all the important people including former Prime Ministers Tony Blair and Gordon Brown and it also has a load of archival footage from like the news programs that happened in the time. It's a fascinating documentary about the psychology of power and what it does to people. Um, it's not the most balanced thing you'll ever watch but it is interesting and it's interesting hearing them talk about each other considering there's famously no love lost between Tony Blair and Gordon Brown and they see each other's interviews and they react to what each other said and you also have Alistair Campbell in there stirring the pot. It's quite, it's an interesting doc. When you said no love lost, I just got flashbacks to that awful Love Island pop group that was called that. Oh. They were on the Celebrity X Factor. Well, I mean, no love lost is the famous saying. I can't yeah, speak to... Yeah, they were called that, though. Well, my pop culture references does not stretch to Love Island, ex-former Love Islanders who were so desperate for fame, they went on Celebrity X Factor. Um, In fairness, Wes Nelson is smashing it now. Is he? I've not thought about him in... Well, probably since he broke up with that blonde girl who was the stripper who was on Love Island, who I can't remember. Oh, Megan. Yeah, were those two a thing, or was he a thing with the Irish one? See? Yeah, I think with the Scottish one. No, who's the Irish girl from Love Island? Probably not even on Laura. the set. Yeah, was he with her? I, my oh, Love I Island, don't know, I don't think so. My Love Island references are base level. To That is a show yeah, that's yeah, not on the too. 20. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Yeah. That's a show yeah. that's not on the top 20, and I have to admit, was not close. No, because the show is now shit. Mm. The circle was quite close. If that oh, was the closest of a reality we, we TV like, show, we were going to apply for that, weren't we? Yeah, we were before that got canned. If that wasn't canned and was coming back, it would have made it onto the list. And we've got hopefully a banana feature series. Yeah. Anyway, I, the, we just smashed it. Anyway, we, I would have been terrible on that game show. Just on a side yeah. note, that I because you need to be smart. I, I actually preferred the celebrity one though. Mm, nah, uh, I thought it was still good. All right, on in number eighteen, Motherland. Yes, this is one of the funnier shows on the list. Um, I would say it's the funniest, but we have some comedies quite high up, so I feel like I will not dig myself into that hole. Um, starring, oh god, I forgot her name, so I'm not going to say it, but it's written by, and I forgot her name as well, probably should have wrote more, it's about a group of mums who have to deal with raising their kids and having jobs and general life things. It's laugh a minute. The third season was the best one yet. Uh, shout out to the stay-at-home dad, Kevin, who is too relatable for people who are stay-at-home dads, and Diane Morgan's slightly more laid-back mother, who all go into the thing. And Anne Maxwell-Martin is phenomenal in the show, um, as an overly stressed mum. Uh, I don't, You don't have to be a parent for this to be relatable, and I think if you're a parent, it's probably yeah, well, slightly too relatable. 
It's brilliantly funny and perfectly satires mum culture. That sounds like a great show. It is great. There's three seasons, six episodes a season. You could... It is utterly laugh a minute. Um, Sharon Hogan wrote it. And you know what's the honest list in Money Heist? Yeah, well that show's kind... It's hype kind of died two years ago. I love it. Mm. Only Murders in the Building is not... It's yeah. not next. Uh, Help is at seventeen. Only murders in the building. <laughs> Only murders in the building. Maybe the one after this. In seventeenth is Help, which is the TV movie. I've slightly cheated to include it, starring Jodie Comer and Stephen Graham, um, and written by the legendary TV writer Jack Fawn. It explored the impact of COVID nineteen in care homes with Graham playing a middle-aged man with dementia and coma pain, a nurse who's thrust into the height of the service. It's vital viewing and utterly heartbreaking. I mean, a large chunk of me is like, why does it come out now when there's such a feeling that, at least in my head, we're still in the pandemic? Like, yeah, I didn't need it. Now, I probably needed it in two or three years. But it's still a beautifully heart-wrenching drama that will stick with you. And make you realise, like... My mum's watched this show. She works in a care home. Mm. What does she said think? it was so raw. Yeah, I can imagine if you worked in a care home, it would be raw. Um, It's gut-wrenching. Very hard. Yeah, that's it. Gut-wrenching. Yeah. But I've heard good things. Uh, on to number 16 now. Um, oh my God, you'll never get what this is. Guess what this is. Is it only murders in the building? Whoa. The new comedy starring Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. Uh, whoa. Whoa. We weren't expecting that. Yeah. And Selena Gomez. It's all 10 episodes on Disney+. Plus. Um, The show follows the... Oh my God, something from Disney+, Plus has made the list. Wow, Two things have. Um, the show um, that is beating Apple TV. That's the, sh- <laughs> that's the shock it's of the week. It's not how we thought it would go. <laughs> that's the shock of the week. Um, of the year, mate. Well, the morning show really dropped the ball in its second season, so that couldn't go on, sadly. Um, anyway, Only Murders in the Building sees the three played by Short, Martin and Gomez, who are true crime podcast fans who... When a murder happens in their building, decide to make a true crime podcast because they're on the scene of the crime and they can get there first. Um, I remember you speaking about this. It just sounds great. It is hilariously meta. It's even more meta if you host a podcast, which everyone does, including us. Um, uh, It's really funny. It's also laugh a minute. Um... And the show has an amazing cast of cameos. You spend the whole time going, oh my god, it's him, or oh my god, it's her. I don't want to spoil who it is, because legit, the, the fun of the show is the surprises of who's in it. And every time someone famous pops up, you go, because you're trained to do it when you see famous people pop up in a mystery show, he must be the killer. Mm. 
all the oh time. Oh my god, Ben, this next one I've got to speak about. Mm-hmm. I, I've not even got any notes on it or anything. I know you never do, but this is a big thing for me. I've watched the show. I liked it. You did you? I didn't think you'd watch this. I got round to it. Oh fuck! I forgot dope sick. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about majors <laughs> made me. Can that get an honourable mention? Nope, I'm I'm taking something out and putting it in. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's up later. Okay. I knew you were going to do that. I just love the massive scream of oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, Ben's really thought about this list, didn't it? Uh, okay, fifteen is made. Now I love this show. It is about a single mum. Oh, no, not necessarily single mum the whole way through. Spoilers, um, but no, uh, uh, young a young woman who has a young child and is just going through the struggles of relationship, financial struggles. It perfectly captures the bond between a mother in this instance and daughter. It is amazing. It is so sad, and, and you follow her on her journey. It's based on a real life story as well. It is so sad, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, it's it is really heartbreaking. I thought the casting of Margaret Qualley um is brilliant, and the casting of Annie McDowell, her real life mum, as her mum in the show, was also. Oh my god! What is that? Her mum in real life? Yeah, Annie McDowell from Four Weddings and a Funeral Fabe, and it was really nice to see her play a more dramatic. Sorry, we're speaking over each other. We both love this show. Great podcasting. Yeah, two two hosts talk over each other. (laughs) Yay! Um, but oh my gosh, the, what was her name? Who Andy plays... McDowell. She is incredible. Yeah, Ben. All I'm going to say is the window scene. Mm. It's so sad. Yeah, she. I thought she. It was great to see her do a more dramatic role than we used to because we used to her from comedies and rom coms. I also thought Nick Robinson was great. I think he's also great. Another show that nearly made the list uh, that he was in this year was um, actually two shows that nearly made the list because Love Victor season one and two both came out in the UK and those are both brilliant. Um, But also A Teacher, which starred him and Kate Mara. I don't think he can do anything wrong at this point. God, and those are two shows that should have made... We should have done a 50. (laughs) I I don't want to do a 50 because I don't think many people would get through it. Yeah. God, this is why I end. They're honourable mentions, Ben. Yeah. Those and Bad Batch, honourable mention. Bad Batch is not even an honourable mention. That's a dishonourable mention. Whoa. That's an insult. All right, on to number 14, Back to Life. Yes, so this was the second season of the Daisy Haggard show, which sees a person who was convicted of a crime 20 years ago in her teenage years return to her small town. Um, her small seaside town, which she grew up in. Um, this show is brilliantly surprising, and the first season came out two years ago and was kind of compared to Fleabag because it's written by a funny woman about a funny woman. But it's darker and deeper than Fleabag in some ways that really kind of mean that, particularly by the second season, it managed to make its own path a little bit more. Haggard, she's always phenomenal. I first saw her in Uncle a few years back. She's also great in Breeders, which was another show that I've seen this year that was great. Um, 
So I thought it was a wonderful little intersection on what is like when you'll have to restart a life that stopped. And it's a half hour comedy, which is surprising because it's really dark. I like dark comedy. But dark yeah. comedies are so easy to fuck it up and miss the tone. So when it does it right, they are great. Well, if it's done by a Brit, it's normally right. And by an American, it's normally wrong. Uh, y- yes. <laughs> yes. I agree. Uh, Actually, I'm British changing it because I don't office. like it. British or American office? Uh, British and American after season one. So, British office and American office between seasons two and six. Okay. On now to uh, number 13. This has got such a cool name. Back to Life. No, no, we've just done that. Oh, my God. Worth pointing out is 10 to 12. Every podcast, one of us was stuff, mainly me from Tiredness. Uh, (laughs) Number 13, Dope Sick. Yes, this is the show I quite famously forgot five minutes ago and have quickly jammed onto a spot in the list. Um, as as what happened with number 12. Yep, as I've also done with number 12. I couldn't leave. So an honourable mention to WandaVision, which has just been taken out the list. <laughs> and this was an honourable mention to Time, which I've also quickly axed from the list. Um, Dope Sick is the biographical eight-part miniseries, also on Disney+. Plus. Oh my god, I've added two shows from Disney Plus now. <laughs> Both these last two I've just quickly jettisoned on a Disney Plus. Hey ben, you actually like Disney Plus. I like Star on Disney Plus. There's a difference. Mm. It's still, no, it's still Disney Plus though, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the bit with all their adult content on. Um, Dope Sick is the... All those an- pornos. You know, it sound like it's like Pornhub. <laughs> porn that's basically what Hulu... <laughs> adult content. Basically, it's all the things that Hulu have in the US that they just need somewhere to put in the UK. Um, that's the stuff I like. Anyway, Dope Sick's the eight-part drama on the opioid crisis in America, which if you're a British viewer, you spend an awful lot of this series going, oh my God. How fucked is America? Like, it's so heart-wrenching to see the stories of the people whose lives are destroyed by it. And it's really cool how the show goes from all the different angles to discover the crisis. So it's the doctors who prescribed it, the patients who had it, the sellers who sold it, the investigators who tried to put the people who made it behind bars. The, the Sackler family, who are some of the worst human beings to have ever lived. They're up there with Dick Cheney. Um, it's a hard watch. You can't binge it. But yeah, it broke me. And Michael Keaton and Caitlin Dever and Will Poulter and Rosania Dawson and Peter Skarsgård and Michael Sturbach. The list of incredible actors who give some of their best performances just goes on and on and on. It's wonderful. Well, I'm glad that made the list. Mm. I'm glad I remembered it as well. Love, Victor. Number is now on the list. Yeah, in the UK, we had both seasons come out this year. Uh, This is, I would say, my guilty pleasure TV show, but I do not feel guilty about watching it, and it is a pure pleasure. It's the (laughs) spin-off... Yeah, I mean, it is in the adult section. Yes. Don't get me on that rant. Or season one shouldn't have been in the adult section of Disney Plus. 
Season 1 is about as beige as a... It's a spin-off from Love, Simon, the film that came out a few years ago. Season is 1 is... better than Love, Simon? The first season, I felt, treaded quite similar grounds. The second right. season, which also came out this year, my God, I think this was the season when they remembered they were on the adult section of Disney+, Plus and um, there was actual sex scenes involved uh, it was quite okay, juicy. About, oh, Ben, this is this is it, it has a pleasure, and you keep saying adult content. Like this is <laughs> ben, this is a bit worrying. It had quite a tonal shift. Benedict Cumberbatch make an appearance. No, but I would die to see Benedict Cumberbatch play act through act his way as a teacher through this high school TV series. Now. <laughs> no, it's I really enjoy it. I really like the direction the characters keep on going. They. After having watched the 20 episodes, they feel like your friends, which a really good high school drama makes the characters feel like. And I do think it breaks new ground. And I do, and I'm always interested to see what happens in the show. I'm really looking forward to season three to see who he picks between Benji or Raheem. Um, because this season loves to end its seasons on a cliffhanger. Ben, we haven't put sex education in here. Shit. That's <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so education's coming up, by the way. So, what can we get an honourable mention for? <laughs> Stafflet's flat. Sorry, you're cut. <laughs> I feel like you know that bit. In... <laughs> you know that... This is You know that bit in uh, um, Britain's Got Talent where they have all the people they've accepted from the auditions and they're whittling that down. Yeah. This feels a bit like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but it, what's with, it's like you've just got rid of, like, uh, you've just got rid of number 10 completely from the list, but was number 10 better than number 20? Well, yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, only the top nine, I would say, I'm properly... Like, I couldn't take anything out of the top nine, but I could take Stafflet's Flats out, and I definitely could take One Division out. I only put that in there because I felt I had to. Well, it's not even in there anymore, is Yeah, it? I know, and I think that's a good place for it to be, not in the top 20. Anyway, love, Victor. It's utterly delightful. The characters keep... It gets better and better and better. Every episode, it's got better. So, I'm really excited for season three to come out next year. Because it keeps getting better. And let's hope it just builds on this sex scenes for Ben. And let's hope Benedict comes back. Actually, the sex. The I don't like watching sex scenes. I was just using it as an example. Yeah, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. No, I don't. I genuinely don't. I watched Titan earlier in cinemas and had to like close my eyes for three quarters of it. It was vile. But I mean, watching sex scenes in public is not. No, it's not good. But with that. sex education and Love Victor, they need the sex scenes because not that they need them to be in there to watch them. But it's a statement of intent, yeah? Yeah. So, yeah. the reason I highlighted them in season two of the show is because it shows the show went in more adult ways and had more interesting conversations. It was a... Yeah. It anyway, became we can messy. go away from the sex just for one second because sex education is coming up. Yep. Should we go underground? To the Underground Railroad, number 11. Jacob, that would Don't have been a really, really good link if the Underground Railroad was not about slavery, in which case it just sounded slightly tacky. Um, this is the 10-part Amazon miniseries directed by Barry Jenkins, who directed my personal favourite film of all time, 
Moonlight. It's based off the book, um, which came out in 2014, uh, that was uh, one of Oprah's book club books. Um, and it's a... Uh, so during slavery, there was the Underground Railroad, which was a connection of underground train tracks that um, didn't have actual trains on, but they were used to smuggle slaves into freedom. This book imagined and what the tv show does is imagined what if it was an actual train service what if there were actual trains on it and it was secret um and the 10 part which means it's kind of treads weird ground it's the only show on the list that i watched and thought i would love to see this in a cinema because barry jenkins he's a massive film fan and he has such an eye for how to hold a camera to tell a story. And the score by Nicholas Brattel is so brilliant. And it's definitely the most beautifully looking show on the list. And I do think you could cut almost every shot and put it in an art gallery. Add to that, you have the emotional through line. Each episode has its own story and its own arc. And it feels like chapters in a book but complete chapters that build forward to a really heart-wrenching and heartbreaking final episode. I I really don't think I'll ever forget this show. And I know that people didn't want to watch it because, well, a lot of things have been made about slavery, particularly over the last couple of years. We've had 12 years of slavery, which really did this whole territory. But the Underground Railroad is what happens when a master of his craft in Jenkins makes the film that he wants to make. I almost feel bad that I, like, didn't know. I feel bad for the link I did, right? Because I like, I know it's innocent, but this just sounds like such a show that I need to watch. It's a difficult watch. Um I feel like shows that have ended up on the list are either difficult watches or comedies. Um, right, yeah, but uh, it's, it's it's beautiful. It broke me. Yeah, I want to watch it from a. I feel like I owe it. Yeah, yeah. Not I enough people it. watched it. I I don't. I don't know why, but it didn't become a mainstream hit. I but. I think it should have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will go watch that. Okay, then. In the number 10, they already know what it is. Sex Education, the show that we literally dedicated a whole podcast to, which we have never done before and probably will never do again, and to be honest, until, you know, Sex Education Season 4 comes out. But, oh, my God, Season 3 with Sex Education wasn't my favourite season. It kind of was a bit more... I thought it was the best what, season, yeah. Really? I thought season two was. No, I thought it was the most mature season yet. And I felt like the character development was the best yet. And I I love Ruby. I loved Ruby. Um What's his face? Oh man. I love Connor this show. Swindles, who plays um who's he play? Let me just Google who he plays because I can't remember. Adam. Adam, yep. He, I thought, was such a step up and really made the season. I thought the villain worked. I thought the arcs worked. And I still think it's properly revolutionary TV. 
Uh, the only yeah, thing, the only thing that I felt shit about was it wasn't the final season. Yeah, you. I think it should have stopped. I think season four. I'm really anxious that it's properly gonna shit the bed. It could go either way, can it? But we love sex education. Sex education. All right, let's go to number nine. Um, Starstruck. Yeah, it's not the Years and Years song. Instead, it's the sitcom. And your pop knowledge isn't that bad. My pop no- Yeah, I know one of the biggest songs of 2021. Shock horror. Um, mm-hmm. This is the show written by Rose Matafeo, who you may have seen her stand-up, or you may have seen her on Taskmaster. She's very funny. And she's wrote a six-episode arc that's kind of like Notting Hill, if it was a TV show. And I feel like that's all I need to do to sell you. I laughed multiple times an episode, which is not unlike me. Um, I really invested in the relationship. And I felt like even though it's a story we've seen multiple times, Matafeo found a way to tell it in really good ways. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love it. I can't wait for season two to come out. I can't wait to rewatch season one. I should probably do that now. I want to do that now. Exciting. I, you know what I'm watching at the minute, Ben? What? I'm watching Friends. Ooh. Five. <laughs> Ooh. Let's go to number eight. Mm-hmm. This is, Ben, we're getting, you know, this is serious stuff now. We're in the top eight. This is some hard stuff. Yeah, so this is my favourite show out on the moment, and I'm not entirely sure... Out on the moment? This is my favourite TV show, second to none. It's Ted Lasso. Look, it's not a secret that I adore this show, and I adore Jason Stakes and his moustache, and I was cheering when it won the Emmys at three o'clock in the morning. I love Brett Goldstein, I love Hannah Waddingham, I love Nick Mohammed. I thought the arc with Nate was genius. I thought season two, as a season, the more you think about it, the better it gets. Um, Particularly how the second season is all about fatherhood, which I thought was a really interesting dynamic, because for all his brilliant qualities, Ted is an absent father, because his son lives on the other side of the Atlantic. I could talk about this show for hours, so... I'm not going to, I'm going to have to deliberately stop myself. But I also think this year it did a brilliant shift from half-hour sitcom to one-hour drama. And everyone was still into it. It's so good. It's the top eight, I kid you not, bar the one I haven't watched, could all be number one. All of them could be number one. It's really... That's wrong. Well, maybe not number seven. No. Number seven, all set, all eight of these are my favourite eight shows of the year. They're the eight shows that I've thought about so much. And there's a real drop here, like there was in the film, but Ted Lasso, simply phenomenal. Number seven, a show that you probably, well, if you listen to the podcast, you'd expect. But in comparison to everything else on the list, you wouldn't fucking expect it, right? If you are in any other country than the UK, I think if you're in the UK, you're coming. Dancing with the Stars. Yep, it is. But we want to strictly come dancing. And it's also came out in the UK first, which means they call it the wrong name. Okay, 
I mean, to be fair, Dancing with the Stars is a better name. Yeah, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> I completely agree on that statement. I have no clue what the name of the bridge one's about. But no. And I Why know... is quickly in the list this year? Because it wouldn't have been last year. Actually, I think it probably could have been last year. Last year was good. But it, I, I get what you mean, because it's the 19th season of a reality TV show that's been going on for practically as long as we've ever been alive. So, uh, no, I'm, 19. I'm 19, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it came out, its first season was in 04, so we were both still in nappies when that came out. Um, but I felt like this season was so joyous and so heartwarming and exactly what this cut we needed particularly as it got to the final weeks and the world was getting shit again um and i thought it was brilliant and that final whoa that final was really good um and i also think this is the mold for all reality and competition tv shows because it's such a celebration of life and people and dancing and fun and being yourself. And let's I, talk about diversity. Yeah, well, this year it had its first deaf contestant. It had its first uh, guy and guy couple. It had had disabled contestants and it has had LGBT contestants before. Um, it also had lots of people of colour. It is dancers from all age groups. Um I think with this it show, it is diverse, but in the best way. You don't feel like people are on the show because it's not a box-ticking exercise, right? Well, firstly, reality TV casting should be a box-ticking exercise. Right. Because you need to have... If the show is 16 celebrities... If all 16 are the same, it's boring. So you need to be yeah. able to... So, like, people who moan about box ticking, actually, that's a really shitty thing to moan about because you wouldn't want to watch 16 of the same people. Yeah. yeah, and actually, also when people... It's the same with, like, other shows, celebrity-wise, when people go, they're not famous enough. Like, I don't really want to watch Tom Cruise on Strictly or MasterChef or I'm a Celeb. Actually, I'd quite like to watch him when I'm a Celeb. But I don't want to watch Brad Pitt on them. I quite like learning to love someone, you know? And then you learn to love them, someone like Judy Love, who you learn to love off Strictly or Celeb Masterchef, and then you love them on their actual career. Like, yes, I think that's a really good way of doing it. Like, you don't want to... If you know who someone is already, you're not as invested. Their arc isn't as powerful. You're just a fan. But if you discover the person, that's a really good arc. And reality TV is the exact same as story TV. It's all about arcs. And this season strictly nailed its arcs. I mean, it was it was great. I like I watched bits of the show. Did you watch I the watched... final? Yes. Yeah. Did you It was great! I know. You can see why, like, my heart, lots of the UK watched the show every week. Gen- How many million viewers watched the final, Ben? Twelve, I think it was. That is just incredible. Like, But it's because it was such a joyous thing. It is. It makes me feel good. It really makes me feel good. Uh, it's why I've watched it every year since I was about seven. And speaking of feeling good, 
the show Feel Good is at number six. Mm. That was so good. That was so smooth. Yes. So Feel Good, a show about an addict. <laughs> Why do I keep doing this? You're picking. Maybe I should just. Maybe I should just. No, I was saying it was so good. My like link. I know, and that's why I was taking the piss out of your link. Uh, no, so this is May Martin's Fleabag, the stand-up comic who um is quite uh, writes really in detailed, a brilliant half-hour sitcom about her life, her struggle with addiction. I think, I think that bit's true. I'm like, that bit could be fictional and it's just so well dealt with, it's true. Um, it also was Lisa Curdry from Friends, who is so brilliant Woo! as Mae Martin's mum, proving that she she's literally iconic in this role. It's phenomenal. And you didn't like her? You don't like Friends? No, but I do like Lisa Curdry and everything she's in. But that's Even it. Friends? No. Um... <laughs> But back to so the... you like Jennifer Anderson now, don't you? Yeah, because she's great in the morning show. <laughs> and I... I tell you who's pretty crap, Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even good on Top Gear. Uh... <laughs> no, like, you... <laughs> he was shit on Top but Gear. But back to Feel Good. <laughs> so I'm being quite strict on this because I love this show. I rewatched it the other day because I had six hours and I watched all two seasons. The second season's on Netflix. The first one's on Channel 4. Um, the central relationship bet- uh, by May and George, who's played by Charlotte Ritchie, such a fascinating relationship to spend time with because in so many ways they're toxic and in so many ways they're perfect for each other. And you really see two hurt people struggling. I thought, wow, it's beautiful. This so easily could have been my number one. So easily. I absolutely... I won't forget when I watched this show and I just absorbed it and I went, wow. And after watching the six episodes of season two, which is the final six of the show ever, I wanted more. And that is such a perfect place for a TV show to leave you. Anyway, Jacob, you're going to talk about the biggest TV show of the year because I haven't watched it. Biggest TV show ever, isn't it? No, I don't think ever. I think Friends takes ever. Or on... it's biggest on Netflix ever, but I think oh, of all... Squid Game. Squid Game. Iconic. You know, like, uh, there's this club in Bournemouth, Ben. Um, they, like, did a Squid Game night. Like, this show has taken the world by storm. Obviously, it's the Korean show, Squid Game. And I have just... I've never watched anything like it before. I now am kind of low-key obsessed with Korean culture, but I've never watched like anything like this before, like I said. And it had me on the edge of my seat. I liked how they weren't afraid to kill off characters. I have no idea where it's going to go next season. No idea. And that just excites me. But no, I love this. Love this show. The soundtrack, absolutely iconic. And this show is just weird as fuck. Like, it's so odd, but in the best way. So good. Loved it. Ben, you're not a fan. I watched 10 minutes. No, it would look. It wouldn't have gone so well if it was bad. 
I'm not sure why I haven't watched it, to be brutally honest here. Um, part of me, a large chunk of it is just me being, like, stubborn at this point. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I can't speak to it. I can't speak for or against it, which is probably not amazing. But I also didn't watch Tiger King until, like, a year after it came out, so... I mean, I didn't love that show. Yeah, and I didn't, like, I often completely enjoyed... Well, that was strange, but in a disturbing way, I thought. And I don't mind not getting the Squid Game references. I'm just kind of like, yeah, it was a show that existed. Have you watched any Korean things since, though? No, I haven't. So I'm kind of obsessed with Korean culture. You're just obsessed with Squid Game. <laughs> no, uh, I'm really into my Korean fashion at the minute. Their streetwear fashion. Ah... Uh... And are you Not listening to BTS music at the moment? That's no, a band. I can't stand, I can't stand BTS. <laughs> I really can't stand BTS. <laughs> I think that it's just noise. But it's like, I don't like boy bands, really, so... <laughs> Not my thing. Okay, on to number four. We are you going to dye your hair blonde now? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll have, like, a box cut. Yeah. Because all... Yeah. It would uh, suit on you. number four, in at number four is Succession. A show that I'm so obsessed with, it has become my phone ringtone, the theme tune, and my alarm in the morning. Now, full disclaimer here, I've only seen two episodes of Succession season three. <laughs> Not because I don't want to keep watching it, because I was saving it to watch with my dad over the Christmas period and haven't been able to get home yet. So it looks like we're going to watch all nine episodes together on New Year's Day. But the two episodes I saw were fucking phenomenal and the show broke Twitter. So I feel like it's acceptable to stick this high on the list. Um, And I loved one and two. I think the character work is brilliant. I really liked the arcs that were being set up. I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but I really liked where it was going. I really like Jeremy Strong as Kendall and Brian Cox and Logan Roy telling people to fuck off. Um, <laughs> that was my Logan Roy impression. I thought Shiv's brilliant. I'm really excited for the places Matthew McConaughey's character goes and Nicholas Braun as cousin Greg. These characters feel like family to me. And it's so, so funny. The like, iconic family, even though that's not the Family, going full Fast and Furious. This show... It's a family you don't want to be in, but a family you love to watch because they're all massive dickheads and balance. Um Yeah, I can't speak to the actual events of this season, but, you know, I'm going to love it because it's Succession and it's one of the best shows of all time. And everyone else loved it, so I'm quite looking forward to it. Okay. On now to number three. These are all shows we've reviewed on the podcast. Um, I remember Ben's review for this. You were buzzing. Yeah, do you remember my review for number two? Yes. Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, so Mayor of Easttown, which is the... So I think, and I've thought this for a number of years, that Kate Winslet is one of the greatest actresses of all time. Um, I think she's so versatile and phenomenal. And in the sick eight-episode uh, drama... Limited series, Murphy's Town. <laughs> I think she delivered her best performance ever. Wow. Ever. Statement. 
she's so good as a small town detective who has a vaping addiction and walks with a limp. It feels like a character made for her. Um, Mary's Town is so good, even my parents were obsessed with it once I got them hooked on it. Uh, the, the central crime in the middle of it is engrossing, but that's not what makes this show brilliant. What makes Mayor of Easttown brilliant is how they really set up the town to make it really... It felt like a real place, and this show felt like it spoke to a group of people who don't normally get spoken about and their lives. A bit like Dope Sick. It dealt with similar groups to Dope Sick. Um, and also, it came out once a week, and I remember waiting on Tentooks for the next episode because I wanted to find out, see if there were any more clues as to who did it. And the final 15 minutes, wow, wow, wee wow, as Borat would say. Is that when, in the final 15 minutes, did you find out who did it? Yes. And, um, Is there going to be a second season? There's talks of a second season. I'm not sure if I want a second season, because I thought the first season was so perfectly wrapped up. And I also don't know how many murders there can be in East Town before you go, this is a bit suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was already like four in this season, so I felt like it was hey, wow. pushing it. Don't you get what? that when a show goes on for too long? You're like, really? Is there... Yes. There's not this much story, is there? No, no, they're fully chasing views. That's how what I, that's where I am with the Flash at the minute, mm. which I used to be obsessed with, but no, it's. I just started like... Superman and Lois. You love it, don't you? No, I don't love it. I watched like two episodes. I started it. Oh, I thought you liked it. Yeah, I do like it. I just didn't finish. I'm just like I started two episodes over Christmas, and I have a job, and I have been to watch the new Spider Man, and I've been to watch Titan. And I've had time to watch a third episode. Spider-Man. I watched it last night. Loved it. Yeah, totally would have made the films of 2021 if I'd seen it in time. Um, yeah, definitely not. Um, ben, that's published now, that podcast. You yeah. can't even go back and I edit can't, it. I can't go back and edit it. I also... Right, Ben. Two shows left. Number two. The White Lotus. Now, you may remember my review of the show or it may have been on the lost episode i can't quite remember i remember listening to it regardless yep jacob do you remember the one word i kept on repeating i've actually forgotten rimming there we go it's bloody irritating the one the one takeaway i have from the six episodes of the white lotus that came out was the rimming scene in the back episode of episode four, because it was the first time that's ever been shown on screen. And that's how groundbreaking this show is. Um, it's also, even more importantly, a brilliant murder mystery, because you know someone's been murdered at the beginning, and then you spend the whole time going, who's been murdered and who did it? It's like watching a game yeah, of... There's a bit of a theme here, isn't there? Yeah, it's like watching a game of Cluedo unfold. Um, Just... Yes. With I think a bunch of really rich with revolver. Yes, exactly. With a bunch of really rich and entitled customers at the exotic Hawaiian resort. Um, I, I hate those customers. Oh, I hate those customers as well. Uh, as p- anyone who's worked in a public service job, uh, 
public. But yeah, I'm just going to stick with that phrase, even though it's not true. Customer service job. Well, no, rich customers are always the fucking worst. So yeah. imagine watching us just... It's like succession. All the characters are Bellend. Bar, Mar- Bellend, Bar Murray, Bartlett, Hotel Concierge. They all are entitled cunts. And, um... <laughs> you definitely need to press the explicit button. Yeah, I do. I think the You've C word... I don't think we've said that before. I think I've said it a couple of times. Uh... But yeah, that's the only fair word to describe them. It's entitled cunts. Can't believe I just said that. Oh my gosh, if my mum listens to this now. My mum listens to this, she, I would, oh God, I'll be in trouble. I said it first, so blame it on me. Oh yeah, there we go. All right, number one, Ben. Just, this show's iconic. Yeah, this, I think, is the definitive show of the year. Or at least yeah. in the UK, it's the definitive show of the year. Well, I think Squid Game probably is worldwide. Yeah, yeah. It's been the UK. Like, this show had such a cultural impact. It still has one. The, ca- the cast won Bake Off the other day um, on <laughs> Christmas Day. It's it's a sin. Uh, Russell T. Davis, who I think is the greatest TV writer working. He certainly has a massive reputation going on. This is his masterpiece. I don't need to describe the show because you've probably seen it. And if not, what are you doing with your life? You've had 12 months to watch this masterpiece. Um, It was set in the 1980s around the AIDS pandemic. And as you can imagine... Each episode was wonderfully heartbreaking. I rationed myself to one a day because that's all I could take. But I was... So good. It's just amazing, isn't it? Like, what this show stands for as well. Yeah. And the exposure it gave. Yeah, there's a couple of things a year. That are so good, you can't actually talk about them. You're just like making noises that are satisfied. This... I think that just the fact that you're actually lost for words, just I know we spoke about this show before, it just shows how good it is, right? And the fact I'm still lost for words and I watched it in January and it's now December, like that's the impact it's had. Yeah, I mean, it's iconic. And Ben, what a way to wrap up the podcast. That's it. Our top 20 TV shows of 2021. Done. Do you agree with our picks? Let us know. Get in touch. Tweet us at ArticuFilm. BenHeath101 at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, As ever, please... uh, See, I wasn't desperate. Last time I I told people to to leave a, a, a like and a rating and that at the start of the podcast... Yeah, it was a bit desperate. So now you've got to the end, you can leave us a lovely little rating. Also, go to the RTE Film website, Google it, it's the first thing that comes up. I've been Jacob Dyer, he's been Ben Heath, and that was our top TV shows of 2021. Goodbye. Bye.